and that's what we hope we're all doing. That's what we hope you're doing. And uh, if you're not, we want to help you get started with following Jesus. Meet Joe. Joe just became a Christian. He's really excited. He wants to start growing in his faith. Joe knows he should start developing new habits, things like reading the Bible and prayer. He's just not sure how to get started. Fortunately, Joe gets a copy of the New Start Discipleship Journal from his pastor. It gives him a clear 50-day Bible reading plan that introduces him to the highlights of the Bible and a daily five-minute video to explain it. With the journal, Joe learns how to make his prayer and Bible time a real conversation with God. He develops a habit of being thankful and connecting with a mentor. He learns how to meditate on the scripture to supercharge his spiritual growth. Be like Joe or be like Joe's pastor. Visit New Start Discipleship to get started today. Newstartdiscipleship.com. Get started right on your first 50 days with Jesus. So we made these available to you last week. This is the last one I have, but I can get more. Uh, it is good to have a, a couple from the Bible Methodist Church. This might be from the, the Department of Redundancy Department for them. Um, their pastor is the originator of this material, and uh, it's very good. Some have, have started, uh, some of the young people have, have started in on this. And, uh, and my son, one of my sons and another young man, they're, they're uh, trying to keep each other accountable and on track, and I, that's, man, I'm really pleased to see that. That's great. And that's the way to get started, amen? It's good to start when you're young. It's harder when you're, you're older. Uh, it's harder develop, to develop new habits when you're older, isn't it? You can still do it, though. You can still do it. So, as I mentioned, this is my last one. Um, I, I, this, this will go... This will go to the first person that comes to me uh, and says, yes, pastor, I want it and I will use it. So, so receiving it means not just that you want it, but that you're also committing to use it. Now, I'm not going to make you sign your, your life away. Your, your word is good enough for me, but um, I'll have this available if, if you would like it, if you'd like to use it. And uh, it's very helpful. Some of you might say, Pastor, I've been a Christian for a lot longer than 50 days. I've maybe more than 50 years, some of you. And, uh, you know, it's always good to go back to the basics. Uh, the Bible reading program through this journal uh, gives you a good, um, some would call it the meta-narrative. It's, it's a good overview of the big picture story. Uh, of what the Bible is all about, and uh, that is good for us to know. Uh, a lot of times, a common difficulty that people have is, is uh, distinguishing between the Old Testament and the New Testament, and uh, a confusion uh, that says, well, you know, that Old Testament, that's, that doesn't apply to us today because we we live in the New Testament era. Or or some say things I've heard some have said to me, you know, boy, I'm sure thankful for Jesus because God in the Old Testament sure seemed to be not a very nice guy. Well, what we need to understand is that it's all telling one story. It's all telling one story from the beginning to the end. And and the, the God of the Old Testament is no different than the Jesus that is revealed to us in the New Testament. 
And Jesus in the New Testament is the same as the God that we read about in the Old Testament, same from beginning to end. So, so it, it's good for us to, uh, to review every once in a while if you've been a Christian for a while and you'd say, yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd commit to use that. Or especially if you're a younger Christian. Uh, but uh, we, are, we are working our way through this, uh, through this series on discipleship. And this morning I want to talk to you for just a little bit uh, about some tips for baby Christians. Some tips for baby Christians. Uh, I, I don't know, most of you have probably heard the story about a man who was traveling and came through a, a, a certain town, and as he stopped and visited the town and uh, spoke with different people, one uh, person he asked, he said, are there, are there any, any great men born here? And the person said, no, just little babies, just little babies. So, you know, there's never been any great men born anywhere. They, they've all started out as just little babies. And that's the way we start the Christian walk. We start uh, as just little babies. And the way we start is as part of a family, part of a family. We, we talked a few weeks ago about what happened to us in terms of, of personal salvation, uh, the fact that we are uh, adopted into God's family, we are indwelt by His Spirit, and all of those things that take place, the wonderful experience of being born again. But there's something that we all need to be aware of, and that is simply this, that salvation is not a personal issue alone. It's not something that's just between you and Jesus. Salvation is also a, a corporate matter. It's about a group of people. You see, Jesus calls us to more than just believing. He calls us to belonging. He calls us to belonging. The group that Jesus put you and I in is called the church. The Bible is full of analogies that are used uh, about this group, about the church. It's called a nation, an army. It's called a family. Today, we're focusing on the family aspect of, of being part of this group of believers. But what we need to understand, first of all, <clears throat> is, excuse me, if we begin our Christian life, and if you're trying to do it alone, you're not doing it right. If you're trying to do it with just you and your family, meaning the people that live in your house, you're not doing it right. If you think that you can just worship at home and be fine, friends, I would have to tell you that that is not the biblical way of salvation. You know, and I've heard people say, oh, I can... You know, you can worship God just as well at home, and, and that really, this is one of the, I almost want to say tragedies of what COVID has done to us. Uh, I, I was thankful here at our church to be able to do drive-in worship because it kept many of you accustomed to leaving your house and going somewhere to have church. Nowadays, people can get up and while they're still in their pajamas, drink their coffee and eat their breakfast, and they can enjoy their pick of any one of probably hundreds 
if not thousands of worship services that are, are available on the internet. And many of them are probably good. But friends, I need to tell you, in all honestly and very, very bluntly, that that is not going to be sufficient to help you grow in your faith. Every baby gets placed into a family, right? That is, they should be. We live in a world where a lot of times tragedy happens, and sadly, many babies do not get placed in families. There are a lot of orphans in this world that we live in. But it's a good example that we can look at. If you take that little child and you deprive it of care, uh, we've heard the stories of, of, of young people. I remember hearing a story of a, of a young girl that was found in an adolescent age, and, and apparently almost from infancy she had been kept just... In a, in a room by herself and, and taken care of barely just enough to keep her alive. And her growth and her development was, was stunted, was nothing like what it should be because she had been, been deprived of the loving care of a family. So friends, if you are a young Christian and you're trying to do it alone, you're trying to do it by yourself, you are, <clears throat> excuse me, you are no different than that infant <clears throat> who is left out in the elements alone and in the cold to try to take care of itself and fend for itself, and they won't be able to survive. And friends, neither will you. If your salvation is just about you, it's too small. You, it needs to be bigger. You need, as all babies do, you need an environment of care. An environment of care. You see, there's, uh, uh, there's no such thing as private Christianity. John Wesley said there's no holiness without social holiness. And, and some people read that and think that he means addressing the societal ills of our time, of our day. And I certainly think that would be included. We ought to do that. <clears throat> However, he also means that we cannot be Christians in isolation from one another. We can only be Christians in a, a group, in a family. There are many commands in the Bible that we cannot obey without other believers. Anytime you read a command that says, one another, one another, you are reading something that requires you to be with somebody else in order to keep that command. In fact, there are a lot of these commands that we cannot obey even in our weekly worship services. We need relationships. We need relationships with people. We need relationships with our church family, and it needs to go beyond just what we experience when we, when we come to church and we say, good morning, how are you, and we shake hands. Oh, I'm fine. How was how your week? Oh, my week was great. You know, and that's the only time we see each other. We go on our merry way, and then the rest of our week, we're just, we're just a lone ranger. won't work that way. Much like a family, a home with a mom and dad, the family environment uh, where, where, there's a, where there's a nucleus, a group. Thank you so much. Um, where there's a mom and dad to care. All babies, all baby Christians, all young Christians need an environment of care. And the church 
is the environment of care that is needed by all Christians. And not just young Christians, but old Christians too, from beginning to end. Not only do you need a family, you need food. You need food. 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 2. Here Peter writes, Like newborn infants, long for or desire the pure spiritual milk, that by it you may grow up into salvation, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. You need food. There's a word there that here in our English Standard Version reads pure. The King James Version has the word sincere. But it is a word that simply means unmixed unmixed. You need a, a faithful, steady diet of God's Word. Incidentally, this is a good place for me to remind you that you need it more than just the times that you come here to church for worship, but you need it throughout the week. You need to be in God's Word on a daily basis. It feeds and nourishes your soul. The unmixed Word of truth and you need milk. Everybody starts on milk. That is, it's, it's the basics, right? It's the basics. You don't, uh, you don't start off an infant, a, a baby, uh, with a T-bone steak. Um, you start, I remember we have, we have videos uh, of a number of our children, the first time they were given solid food to eat, or, or rather something more like real food, and usually it was a, maybe a piece of smashed up banana or something like that, and and you can watch their little faces and their little tongues and their mouths and you know and that texture and and taste that they're not used to and the funny faces. Oh, one of our kids, we they had. Uh, really, I feel sorry for anybody that has to eat baby food, but the way that stuff looks is awful, and especially green beans or peas, the and the expression on the face and just sometimes the, <laughs> the shudder. It's awful. But we start with basics, and we all need the basics. This is why every once in a while we review, we go back, and we talk about basics. We talk about things that young Christians need to hear. And you know what babies do if they don't get enough or if they want more? They make some noise. They make some noise. You know what I would suggest you do if you're a young Christian and you're not being fed? By all means, please make some noise. Talk to us. Tell us. Talk to me. To say, Pastor, I, you know, I need more than what I'm getting, or I, don't, or I don't understand this. I'm not getting enough, or I don't quite understand what you're talking about. Pastor, would you explain it to me? And, and occasionally, it's, it's a delight for me to have people to say, you know, I was reading this in my Bible and, and wondering, you know, what does this mean? Or what, oh, that's wonderful. That says to me, that says to the older, the, the more mature Christians, that you are digging, you're seeking, you're, you're trying to grow in your faith. And friends, that's what we all need to do as believers. You need food. Not only do you need food, but you need to stay close. You need to stay close. This point reminds me of the young man who, who said, I wasn't very rebellious as a teenager, 
But he said, I did run away from home one time. He said, I left about 4.30 and I was back by 6 and supper was ready. That's about the way I ran away from home. Never really did run away from home. I just always, never did want to get too far away to make sure I couldn't get back in time to be fed, you know. Second Timothy chapter 1. Second Timothy chapter 1, verse 5. Paul here is writing to his son in the faith. And he says, I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I am sure dwells in you as well. For this reason I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God gave us a spirit not of fear but of power and love and self-control. Therefore do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord. You see, Timothy here had a wonderful discipleship program in place. It was his grandmother and his mother. How cool is that? To have been someone who you can look to your, you can look to your mother and to your grandmother. I, I say this not to, not to put anyone else down, but just simply to acknowledge my own privilege. I, I have lived a very blessed, a very privileged life, and I was so privileged to be born and raised into a, into a Christian family, and in my family, on both my mom and my dad's side of the family, I'm fourth generation, not just fourth generation Christian, but fourth generation in ministry in their family. And it's, it's, it's such a privilege to have that, that built-in discipleship. Now, those, they're, I have learned that there are challenges there are negatives that come with that as well. There are advantages. Now, I can explain this to you sometime later if you are interested to know. But there are advantages for the people who come who've, never, who've not known anything. And they come right out of sin, right out of a sinful lifestyle. And they are a brand new baby Christian and their family doesn't. Nobody else has been. They're the first one. There's an advantage to that as well. But here, Paul writes to Timothy and he says, I, I notice your sincere faith, your sincere faith. That means not faked. When we think of sincere, we usually think, I really mean it. I, you know, I'm sincere. I really mean what I'm saying. But here it means not faked, genuine, undisguised, unfeigned, and he, Paul says to Timothy, you received it from your grandmother and from your mother, and now I recognize that same sincere faith also in you. And you see, it was because of the environment that Timothy came up in. He had discipleship built into his system that was close to him that he turned into the man that he was, and he was a man who was unashamed. He was encouraged to be unashamed because he had the example and he had the encouragement of his grandmother and of his mother. Now, this is a good place for us to remind you, we that our parents need to be discipling our children. God has been pressing 
on a little sore spot in my life recently, reminding me I need to do more, spending more time with my children to disciple them. If you have children, if you have some in your life, friends, it's our responsibility. Some say, oh, you know, we have this, we have this terrible, terrible thing that's happening in our world today where uh, some families uh, are deciding to raise their children as gender neutral. Have any of you heard of that? And they're giving them gender neutral names so that they can keep that same name all their life, and then when they get old enough, they say, oh, I'm just going to let them decide for themselves what they think they are. (laughs) God help us. But I've heard similar things come out of the mouths of Christians who say, well, you know, we can't force it. we got to let them decide for themselves. No. We as Christian moms and dads do everything we can to stack the deck in favor of our children becoming Christians and following God and serving the Lord. When God gave Adam and Eve the instructions in in the very beginning of our Bibles to to be fruitful and multiply and have dominion, I believe this is one of the things that he meant, that they were to multiply themselves, not just biologically, but spiritually as well. You might say, Pastor, I, I don't have a Grandma Lois or a Mama Eunice, I, I'm... I don't have anybody like that in my life. I, I, I don't have the kind of privilege, Pastor, that you had growing up. I don't have the kind of heritage that you were privileged to have. So, Pastor, what am I supposed to do? You are supposed to recognize that when you are born again, you are born into God's family, the church. And you need to stay close to the church. Stay close to your brothers and sisters and find someone. I guarantee you there are some people here right in this building right now that if you were to go to them and you would, you would say to them, you know, I need help. Would you please be a, a Grandma Lois or, or a Mama Eunice to me or maybe a Grandpa or a, or a, or a Papa or whatever? Would you be a, be a mentor to me? There are people in this building who would be glad to do that for you. Stay close, stay close. You need to learn to get along. You need to learn to get along. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. But I, brothers, could not address you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ. I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you are not ready for it. And even now you are not yet ready, for you are still of the flesh. For while there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not of the flesh and behaving only in a human way? Anybody ever seen children having trouble getting along? Sure. As as hard as it is to believe, you know, my children, as, as good-looking as their mama is, and as sweet and kind as their daddy is, it's hard to believe that my children sometimes have a hard time getting along. And sometimes they have a hard time getting along with mom and dad. 
and we have to, we have to help them. We, my, my dad used to say, he would talk about having the board of wisdom applied to the seat of our understanding. You know what that means? Yeah, yeah. You know what I'm talking about. One of the marks of youth, of, of infancy, of immaturity, one of the marks is just this lack of ability to get along. Just people can't get along. And friends, what you find is that the church is a place where there is a mix of people of all different kinds of personalities, from all different kinds of backgrounds, and because of those different backgrounds, they have different ideas about things, and sometimes we come in to, to talk with people and discuss, and, and there may be conflict, and, well, I think it's, th- well, no, I think it's this way, and, you know, we talk, and, and, and that's okay, as long as it comes to this and not to this. You know, where, where we're butting heads and having trouble getting along. You that are younger in your faith, you need to give the church time and patience. Recognize, friends, that we are all fallen people. And just because the church is a place where you expect to find Christians... Don't expect to find flawless perfection. You see, friends, a big mistake that is occasionally made by young Christians is is having them walk away from the church because somebody said something or somebody did something or looked at them cross-eyed or was a little bit less than charming to them. Or maybe they perceived somebody as being hypocritical. That's one we hear a lot, isn't it? Oh, there's just too many hypocrites in the church. I used to hear my dad say, a hypocrite is an awfully crooked stick to hide behind. You see, friends, Christians, even entirely sanctified and mature, saintly Christians, are still human. We are still in clay Vessels. That's what the Apostle Paul said. We hold this treasure in jars of clay, in earthen vessels. And some of us are cracked, cracked pots. You see, so you need, as a young Christian, and some of us as older Christians too, who need to hear this. To give the church time and to be patient with the church, but also to maintain a humble and a teachable spirit. I think to always be willing to acknowledge that we might just be wrong about something. And even if we are, even if we are stating things that we are certain. We are standing firmly on the Word of God. And friends, I don't, I don't want to say that we're getting wishy-washy about our beliefs about Scripture, about God's Word says. I don't mean to say that at all. But what I mean to do, what I mean to say is, you know, you can, 
take a stand for the right thing, but do it in the wrong way. And a lot of times we, the church, over and over again, have been guilty of, of pushing people away because we've been trying to stand for good things, trying to stand for right things, trying to stand for the Word of God, but we've been doing it in such a way that disheartened people and discouraged people. A humble, teachable spirit. 1 Corinthians 12, 12 through 15. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. What is Paul talking about here? He's talking about a spirit of cooperation. So not only do we find a place where we belong in God's family, the church, but we find a place where we, we can learn to get along. We can have a humble, teachable spirit. But then we also find our niche, our, the place where we belong, where we can do something for God in His kingdom, in His church, and say, this is my role. This is what I can do. And then we look over at somebody else and we say, huh, I like their job better. They get more, uh, they get more recognition in, in their job. They get more... Uh, praised in their job. Their, their job seems more important. I think I want their job. That is the hand saying to the foot, because I'm not a foot, I'm not a part of the body. We, we must not only learn to get along, but we learn that we have a place, we have a role in God's church, and we cooperate. And we say, oh, what can I do for Jesus? What do you need, pastor? What do you need uh, you know, Brother James, Brother James does so much around here. Um, if you lived as close as I do and saw everything that he and his family does for this church, um, you would be amazed. And, and Brother James would probably be has it. Brother James, how can I help? What can I take out the trash? Sure, I'd love to take out the trash. And you say, what, well, pastor, just taking out the trash. It's taking out the trash for Jesus, for his church. For his kingdom's sake. Amen. Amen. We all have something we can do for Jesus. You need to listen. You need to listen. 1 Corinthians chapter 4. Back to chapter 4 of 1 Corinthians. First Corinthians 4, verse 14. I do not write these things to make you ashamed, but to admonish you. As my beloved children, for though you have countless guides in Christ, you do not have many fathers. For I became your father in Christ Jesus through the gospel. I urge you then, be imitators of me. That is why I sent you Timothy, my beloved and faithful child in the Lord, to remind you of my ways in Christ. I remember hearing about the, about the young man who left at 18 and went away for college 
And when he got through with college and came back home at about the age of 22 or 23, he said, boy, it was amazing to me how much my dad learned while I was gone to college. He said, my dad just learned so much during those years while I was gone away to college. Couldn't believe it. I mean, you know what he was saying. When he was 18 and went away, he thought he knew everything. When he came back, he realized how much he really didn't know and how much wisdom there was. We all need to recognize that there are people ahead of us and there are people behind us. Some of us may be in the middle. We're in a position where there are people ahead of us who deserve our greatest respect as mothers and fathers in the faith and who we respectfully listen to and understand that if we're struggling, they might be able to help us when we are struggling. We need to understand that there are people behind us that are watching. We are examples. We need an example. And the people coming behind us need our example. They need our experiences. You see, we learn from experience. We learn from, from just having lived life. And some of you that are in this crowd have so much wisdom to offer from your experience of life and from just simply understanding how the Christian walk works because you've been doing it for so long, for so long. We need you. And young Christian, you need us, the church. You need to listen. Real quickly in closing, the closing just of the sermon, some tips for mature Christians. Be patient. Be patient. It's easy to get discouraged sometimes and frustrated with babies, with children, with teenagers. Amen? And in the church, young Christians, don't be surprised when young Christians don't understand everything or they take a while to get it. It's okay. It's okay. Be patient. Be glad to serve. Be glad to serve. Oh, friends, if you are ever privileged enough to have someone come to you to, to request that you be their mentor, and it might not be in so many words, but it might just be somebody coming to you to say, would you, would you help me in my Christian walk? I'm struggling, and I really want to live for Jesus. I really want to please Jesus. Would you help me? Oh, friends, what a privilege. What an honor that is to be a co-laborer together with Christ. Be glad to serve. Be ready to listen. I think the Bible actually says something about this, doesn't it? Be, be quick, be slow to speak, quick to listen. I know, friends, the temptation when you have more experience and you're dealing with a younger, immature Christian and you hear them say something that, that is off track and off base the temptation for us is to want to very quickly jump on that and, and straighten that up and correct that right away and, and just, you know, we, we do it, I do it, out of concern and out of love because I don't want to see 
a young believer going down a wrong path, the wrong direction, possibly towards false doctrine or heresy or what have you. But remember, friends, behind all of those issues and behind all of those questions, there are stories. There are reasons why that young person, that young believer is going in that direction or why they're struggling with whatever that thing might be. So be ready, be quick to listen. And finally, be a praying encourager. This could have been two points, but I made it one. Be a praying encourager. The one thing that we all need probably just as much as anything else is prayer. And our young believers, our young Christians need prayer. If you are a young Christian, you need prayer. And you need an encourager. When you see, when you see someone at church, and, and maybe you haven't seen them for a while, please love on them. Please welcome them. Say, oh, it's so good to see you. So glad you're here. Make them, make them feel welcome. Encourage them in their walk with the Lord. And through all of this process of discipleship, God can help young Christians, baby Christians, to turn into mature Christians who can then help more baby Christians. Amen. Let's bow our